a thing that we could sing about. I've asked Rhonda this morning if she would come and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you right now, and I pray, God, that you'll just fill Brother Richard with your spirit. And I pray, God, from the top of his head to the sole of his feet, Lord, give him the word you'll have us hear and prepare our hearts and our minds, Lord, to hear you. I ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. What an amazing thing that we do have freedoms in America, and we can still come and we can worship the Lord, but I am so grateful that we have a freedom in Jesus Christ, just as that song sang, that we can keep singing. Amen. How many of you have within your heart that song? Maybe not one you want to just sing out loud. Maybe one you sing in the shower because that helps it sound a little better. But how many of you got the song in your heart? Amen. That the Lord has changed you and you can continue to worship and to praise him. I want us to talk this morning as we're making our way through the book of Acts about the outpouring of Holy Spirit. And I think that song really talks about it, that it doesn't matter what we're going through. The Holy Spirit is there to pick us up and to lead us, that we can worship him and that he will pour into us when we need that. I don't know if you've ever had an experience that I have. Have you ever been at work or somewhere and you were doing what you were told to do, and you got in trouble for it. Amen? I know several in here, I've heard stories. I have had those stories. But you know, when we're doing the right thing, regardless of what those around us tell us, we need to keep going forward and doing the right thing. In today's time, the world will tell you that the right thing is the wrong thing and the wrong thing is the right thing. And do you know that even God's son Jesus had some apostles? Those that were closest to Jesus, this intimate 12. And of those, there were two, Peter and John, that Jesus really loved, and they were even closer. And do you know that that happened to them? You've probably been reading a little bit ahead, and I've told you that we looked about last week of Peter and John getting arrested. Peter had the Holy Spirit come over him, and he, he shared a story about the gospel of Jesus Christ, the power that is in Jesus, the death, the burial, and the resurrection, and the religious leaders around there didn't like that, and they arrested him. And today, we're going to hear about this arrest and what happened. If you have your Bibles, if you would open with me to the book of Acts, chapter 4. And once you have turned to verse 1, if you would please stand out of the honor of a reading of God's Word. As they were speaking to the people, that's uh, Peter and John, the priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to them being greatly disturbed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in jail until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the message believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes were gathered together in Jerusalem, and Annas, the high priest, was there, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all who were of high priestly descent. When they had placed them in the center, they began to inquire 
By what power or in what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, If we are on trial today for a benefit done to a sick man as to how this man has been made well, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name, this man stands here before you in good health. He is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the chief cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Now as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. And seeing the men who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say in reply. But when they had ordered them to leave the council, they began to confer with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For the fact that they... For the fact that a noteworthy miracle has taken place through them is apparent to all who live in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But so that it will not spread any further among the people, let us warn them to speak no longer to any man in this name. And when they had summoned, the, they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. For we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. When they had threatened them further, they let them go, finding no basis on which to punish them on account of the people because they were all glorifying God for what had happened. For the man was more than 40 years old whom this miracle of healing had been performed. Father... Lord, I thank you for your word. Father, thank you for the powerful testimony and the witness that, Father, you have so freely seen to give us through this scripture. Lord, I pray now that you would help us to understand it, Lord, that those that are listening, Lord, would hear you. That, Father, you would open their ears and their mind and their heart, Lord, to hear from you and from Holy Spirit. Father, as we look at the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and what the power and the name of Jesus is. Father God, I thank you. I just pray for your feeling now, Lord, and I pray everything in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I, I believe if we're truly honest on the inside, many of us will agree and admit that we want an outpouring of Holy Spirit within us. Some of us might be a little hesitant with that because it might scare us. The idea of the Holy Spirit, or as the King James says, the Holy Ghost, He is a real being. He is powerful. He's the third part of the Trinity. And let me tell you, when Holy Spirit has an outpouring, you will know it and it will make a difference in your life. If you're going through something and you don't see how you can get through it, the Holy Spirit can step in. 
When it's a reason to glorify God, the Holy Spirit will step in. But what I want us to look at is, as this happened, the first thing that we see there, I want us to look at proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection. Proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection. Not saying that it was anyone else's power, but in Jesus Christ. There is resurrection of life. There's resurrection of spirit. There's forgiveness of sin. Jesus Christ died on that cross, and God alone is the one that raised him. And he became, as we've talked about, that first fruit, that first one to resurrect. But in Jesus Christ, we can have resurrection in our life. We can have resurrection here on earth now as we're dead to sin and raised to walk in a newness of life. We have the promise of the resurrection after the physical death of the body. One day we're going to be resurrected and we're going to get to spend all of eternity in Jesus Christ. Amen. How many is ready to spend all eternity with Jesus Christ? He is our God and He is that one and it's in nothing else. That's why I love how it's written that they were proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection. But I want you to notice what I find very funny here in in verse 2. It says, being greatly disturbed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Now, why do I find that funny? They're in the temple. They're in there where they're supposed to be honoring and proclaiming God and they find they become greatly disturbed. Can you imagine if we in here become greatly disturbed because myself or whoever may be standing behind this podium is preaching resurrection in Jesus Christ? I believe they've missed the mark totally. I would almost say they're shooting in a 180. But to become greatly disturbed by this message and we also see that even though these leaders and those that are in there as it says the temple guard and the sadducees when they saw what was happening they came and they laid hands on them they seized them and arrested them they put them in jail because it was nighttime until the next day but the message of god when it goes forth never goes forth void Even though the temple guards and the Sadducees were greatly distressed by this message, it tells us there in verse 4, but many, remember they're out there at porticos, uh, Solomon's portico, and everybody's out there seeing, and they've just gave the message that it was in Jesus' name and through faith that the man was healed. But many that were there, it says, verse 4, heard the message and believed and the number of the men came to be about 5,000 just because you're in the temple and just because their temple leaders were greatly disturbed at this awesome message of Jesus Christ God's word does not go out void and it went out and many many came to believe through the message and I love also how it's written here. There was a miracle that took place, amen? We all will agree. We've read that. We've studied that. This lame man that was 40 years old, had been lame from birth, had been healed. 
The miracle was what was happening in the message. This man was healed, and it brought glory to God. But if you notice there at verse 4, it says, But many of those who had heard the message believed. The miracle of the lame man being healed is not what saved those people. It got their attention. It woke them up just as it would me, and I'm sure it would you. But it's the message of Jesus Christ alone that does the resurrection. And that message penetrated their hearts about what was going on, and they believed in him. But I want us next to look at the religious leaders. We're in the temple. The temple guards and the Sadducees, they came up. But let's look, if you'll take a look there, uh, beginning about verse 5. It says, On the next day their rulers and elders and scribes were together in Jerusalem, and Annas the high priest was there, and Caiaphas and John and Alexander, and all who were of high priestly descent. I want you all to understand, these names sound wonderful, Caiaphas and the high priest and the Sadducees and the elders and the scribes, but we don't have those people today like they do. But what I want you to understand, this council that came together, you've probably heard the name the Sanhedrin. This was the council. This was the top leaders of religious matters that have come together to try these two men for speaking resurrection in the name of Jesus. I did a little research to try to understand some of these positions and thought maybe you would like to know because it helped me to understand what I would call the circus of the court here. Okay, It says there that there were the rulers. These were leading Jewish leaders. They had administrative authority in religious matters. So here's your rulers of your town, the, the rulers of the church here. They were the elders, members of the Sanhedrin. These were official people that had been picked that should know what's going on. The scribes, that's the chief executive officer, and he is to be an expert. Get that, an expert in divine matters relating to all things religious. Now here he is. He's there with them. Annas is the high priest. Caiaphas has been a high priest. There's John and Alexander and all of the others. There's probably about 70 men, it said in studying, that were here that should have known what the law was. They were experts in what we call the Old Testament. The law that God had given, all of the prophecies about who Jesus Christ would be, what Jesus Christ would do, what his reason was for coming. But I believe what happened with these rulers is they got a little bit of world in them. They have a position. We're the Sanhedrin when we all come together. I'm the scribe. I'm the executive officer. I have command of what's going on. Well, I'm the one that knows all, and I believe they felt a little threatened. Why Scripture doesn't fully go into it here, I really wonder sometimes, did they know? 
And maybe they did just who this Jesus was, but just maybe that would affect their position. They could no longer be high in the temple. They could no longer walk around with those big flowing robes. That's just my two cents. I, I don't know. But what I do know is they should have known because they were the expert. And here they are greatly disturbed because they're preaching in Jesus' name. That resurrection alone comes from Jesus Christ. And we see here, let's take a look at this trial at verse 7. When they had placed them in the center, they began to inquire, By what power or in what name have you done this? Now, I guess that would be your, your prosecuting attorney. They're up there. Peter and John are out there in the center, the Sanhedrin, the groups all gathered around them, and they want to ask a question that, if they remember back, had already been answered. It said, by what power or in whose name? That reminded me of one time I was renting a, a little townhouse, and uh, I had a 30-day verbal lease month to month, and it come time that I needed to move. I'd only been in there a couple of months. I went to to trial because when I went back to get my stuff out on the last day of the month the locks had been changed and my belongings were gone and the landlord took me to court saying that I violated my lease as we get into court they bring the wife up on stand now, I don't know if I've shared this with y'all or not but in my opinion I was like the big city slicker that done walked into Mayberry okay I knew things were a matter when I'm sitting in the courtroom and the judge and the landlord walk out from the back with arms wrapped around laughing at each other. This wasn't going to go well for me. Well, they brought the wife up on stand. She heard the verbal agreement, so the judge asked her, Did you hear the verbal agreement? Yes, I was there. I heard the verbal agreement. Well, he begins to try to pull out of what the verbal agreement was, when she then eventually begins to say, well, I didn't hear it. Of course, nothing happened, even though that she done said she did. But the landlord become the prosecuting attorney, and he began to ask me question after question that I would answer, and then just like here, they'd ask the same question again. So maybe someone needs to step in and tell the Sanhedrin, that's already been answered. But God, in his Wisdom is only setting up the picture. Here, Peter and John on trial in front of the entire religious leaders, and they're going to be stupid enough to ask, in what name and power did you do this? I'm sure Peter and John were like, okay, but put yourself in Peter and John's place. Would you be intimidated sitting there in the center with all of these religious leaders around you? You're not an educated man. We see that. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But the outpouring happened of the Holy Spirit in verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if it be known, excuse me, if we are on trial today 
for a benefit done to a sick man as to how this man has been made well, let it be known to all of you, to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. There they're getting an opportunity filled with the power of the Holy Spirit for the purpose of glorifying Christ. And this outpouring comes on them and Peter speaks up and he says, if we're on trial today for a benefit done to a sick man. Peter was a smart man. He knew the trial today was not about them healing the lame man. That's the circus. That's what they want people to think it is. But the trial was because they were doing it in the name of Jesus Christ, and the religious leaders didn't like that. Do we see that today? Something put in front of you that this is what's going on over here when actually it's something else? They brought because they... The people knew what was happening. So these religious leaders had to bring them in with the idea of the healing, but they said that if we're on trial, they knew better than that. But the Holy Spirit filled him. You know, we see that over in the book of Luke as well. Take your Bibles there and turn to Luke chapter 12, verse 11. Luke chapter 12, verse 11. When they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not worry about how or what you are to speak in your defense or what you are to say. This is Jesus speaking in verse 12. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. When we get put as believers before people, and our faith gets put on the line and we get asked about it, many of us would say I'd be scared to death. I think we would. But we have the assurance that as a believer, Holy Spirit is in us and Holy Spirit will give us the words to say that we need to say at that moment. I fully believe Holy Spirit, just as Scripture says, filled Peter because Peter probably wanted to answer a little differently than what he should have, just like we would. I could, I could maybe see him sitting there. Leaders, what's the matter with you? I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Don't you already know that? And I really know that what you're doing here is a scam because you're afraid somebody's going to step on your authority. It's not about this man that's been healed. That might be how Peter wanted to respond, probably how I'd want to respond. But amazing how Holy Spirit steps in. Church, I can tell you I've experienced this exact same thing. And when Holy Spirit steps in, he steps in for the purpose to glorify Jesus Christ. A couple of my friends at lunch break on seminary, we went to a restaurant, we began to eat our meal. And many of y'all remember James Hester from over around Cushata, uh, Social Springs. Uh, me and him get into a little friendly debate sometimes over pet funerals. Now, I like pets. Don't, don't get me wrong. And I don't have any problem with stepping in when someone loves their pet and they ask me to come and say a prayer as they bury that. 
Now, my friend James, he's just adamant against it. But here's what I, I told James as we began to talk back and forth and everybody else. I said, James, you're against it because in your mind, you don't think any pets are going to be in heaven and they don't have a soul, so there's no need to do that. I said, but James, when I step up and do a funeral for someone's loved one, I'm not doing anything for that person in the casket. What I'm doing is I'm providing some hope and I'm providing some comfort to that family. I said, I can do that same thing to a family who's grieving. I said, I'm sorry that you've never had that connection with the pet that I have. Well, we began to talk, and just a little bit, there's this lady sitting over almost in another room that gets up, and she starts walking by, and she passes by, and she stops, and she turns around, and she walks back over, and she looks us right in the face. And she said, gentlemen, I want you to know, if you're going to talk about God in a restaurant, you need to know what pieces of you can fill in the blank you sound like. And she walked out the door. Now, of course, the manager of the restaurant comes over. Did she say what I think she did? Yes, she did. She said, I'm sorry. I said, ma'am, you don't have to be sorry. You didn't do anything. But at that very moment, when your blood wants to boil, Holy Spirit filled me. And I said, guys, I said, we need to stop right now. I said, we need to pray for that lady. I said, she has something going on in her life, and we don't know what it is. How do I know that was Holy Spirit? Because we stopped right then, and we finished praying, and as soon as we stopped, there was another young lady just sitting off to our right. She had a couple of little kids. And she looked and she said, excuse me, gentlemen. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, are y'all Christians? I said, yes, ma'am, we are. She said, would y'all mind coming over here and praying for me? And she began to share some things that were going on in her life. Do you know what we really want to do? One of my friends wanted to go out there and just confront the woman in the parking lot. And it, me, I was ready in that group to start talking about that lady, just like the rest of you would. Don't look at me like that. It's what's in us. But Holy Spirit wanted to glorify Jesus Christ, and he put words in my mouth that were not mine at that moment. And who knows what that prayer did for that lady as we prayed for her. But for that young lady, it made all the difference in the world. And if we would have talked the way we wanted to, we would have lost the opportunity to share with that young lady. If Peter would have taken upon himself the opportunity to speak the way he wanted to and Holy Spirit not filled him, he would not have been able to be in trial with the religious leaders and say that it is in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. And then Paul really sticks it to him. He says there at um, verse 10, Whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name, this man stands here before you in good health. He gets to share the gospel one more time. It's in the name of Jesus Christ. And you who think you're high and holy, it's in God's Son's name that you crucified. But you didn't win the battle. 
You're not going to stop it because God raised him, and that's the reason resurrection is in the name of Jesus Christ. And then I want us to see as it, it moves on they down there at verse 12, it says, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Church under persecution. Thirdly today, we must not stop. We cannot let the high religious leaders, as we would say, stop us. We must not stop. Let's look at verse 13. It says, Now as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men. Peter and John were not the seminary graduates. Peter and John did not have all these little initials behind their name and Ph.D. and, and all these other things. They were untrained. They were fishermen. And Jesus come along and he said, Leave your nets and I'll make you fishers of men. There's their education. Now I believe these men were wise in their own way because the school of Fort Knox will teach you a lot. Amen? And being in the presence of Jesus Christ, that'll teach you all you need to know when it comes to being a believer. And they say right here that these uh, religious leaders are saying these men were untrained. But I love this verse, the end of verse 13. They were amazed. And they began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. Testimony I want for my life, and I hope you want for your life, is that when people see you, they can begin to recognize that you have been with Jesus Christ. Not just what's going on, but they were able to recognize these religious leaders. Here they go. Now they're beginning. They recognize they were with Jesus. What the testimony they had through that. But that private council gets together and they want to meet and they want to talk among themselves. You know that this council had nothing on them. And we began to see right here that this council knows they didn't have anything to go on. Peter and John, y'all get everybody get out of the room. We want to talk just us. They got to go back. The prosecution's got to go back and rebuttal. The guy said, what are we going to do? Everyone out there has seen this miracle. People are coming because of what Jesus has done. So they begin to talk amongst themselves, and, and they know that something has happened and that everyone is aware of that. But they had to try to stop it because they didn't want to lose their position. So they call Peter and John back in there at verse 18, and then they give them a, a command. Now, they can't prosecute them because there's nothing to hold them on. Verse 18, And when they had summoned them, they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Now, I want to quiz you just a moment. What did they command them? Did they command them to no longer teach? No. Did they command them to not say anything else to no one else? No. 
These religious leaders would be perfectly fine if they want to go out there and teach whatever they want to do. But I want you to notice those few little words. They commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. I don't care what you do, just don't do it in the name of Jesus. What happens when you do it in the name of Jesus? There's power, there's authority, there's change. But I believe again that Peter was filled uh, with the Holy Spirit and he begins in verse 19, but Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. But here it is, verse 20. For we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. Peter and John were apostles. They were eyewitnesses. They have seen and they heard exactly what Jesus had done, that Jesus was resurrected from the grave, that all power and authority is in his name. And they said, we can't stop. Not that we're not going to. We cannot stop. And church as believers, when Holy Spirit is in you, we mustn't stop. Or maybe we can go strong and say we can't stop. When we really take the time to evaluate in our lives and look at what Jesus Christ has done for us, when we've been in the presence of Jesus Christ, it's going to overwhelm us. I hear testimonies from y'all of, Life changed when Christ came in. Do you know when you spend time every day with Jesus, people can tell that, and it will fill up in you, and we cannot stop. Will we be willing to say in the face of opposition today, for we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. And then in verse 21, when they had threatened them further, they let them go, finding no basis on which to punish them. And on account of the people, because they were all glorifying God for what had happened, they found no basis. Holy Spirit work again. They found no basis which to punish them. I believe that's because they acted in Jesus' name. They were filled with the Holy Spirit in how they responded. They could have responded different, and that council would have found something. But because they were submissive to Holy Spirit, and we see the outpouring of Holy Spirit on these men's lives, lives were changed. Church, we're in unprecedented days today, days that I didn't think would be here as quick as we are. There is total chaos in our world today. And it's all about the fact that we need equality. Unless you're not on the side that wants the equality. Then you're the one that's the problem. And I'm sad to say that even within our own Baptist denomination, the same kind of thing runs right through it. We have people that believe one thing, people that believe another and they think that we need to believe the way they do. And as long as we do, everything's fine. But when we don't, then there's a problem. I pray that we can get beyond that within our own selves. Because if we're doing it here, what makes things going to be different out in the world? But what we, what we must understand, 
that God created everyone. God loves everyone. Now, there are those who choose to make a decision to go against God. And little by little, our religious liberties are being stripped away. And it is going to come to a day. Are you going to be willing when confronted to say we cannot stop proclaiming no matter what? I believe when you have seen and you have experienced it and you're filled with the Holy Spirit, we're going to be able to say we cannot stop. Yes, I've shared with you Bible talks about we're to obey our laws of our land. But just as here when Peter and John said, you decide if it's right for me to agree with you or to agree with God. But I'm going to agree with God. Let's say, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. I believe God wants us to follow the law of the land. But when it trespasses against his word and his law, we have to be willing to take the stand, be willing to suffer the consequence, but hold firm to this word right here and say we cannot stop speaking in the name of Jesus. May you bow your heads.